Hey everyone, I'm Kayla Swope, mom to one, pregnant with our second from Down With Theo. And I'm Emily Green, mom to two from Down With The Greens. And this is Raising Extra, a community to make parenting and life a little easier and a lot less lonely. Every week we dive into all things motherhood, the good and the messy, while advocating for a better tomorrow for our babies. We'll hope you'll join us along this crazy, amazing journey while inspiring you along the way. It takes a village and we are so excited to share ours with you. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two on Raising Extra. I'm your host, Kayla Swope from Down With Theo. And I'm Emily Green from At Down With The Greens. Today we're going to be diving into Emily's story. Are you so excited to share it? I, I am. I'm like, I feel like there's so much that I've always wanted to share with people like on Instagram, but I feel like people can only like have so much attention span on stories and like there's only so much I can ever share on a reel or a post. So I am like really excited to kind of like get deeper, like dive deeper into my story and like really share everything. And so everyone can hear it just like at one time instead of like having to scroll through different posts to see it and try to piece it together. Right. Especially kind of wild. (laughs) Yeah. And filling in the blanks, I feel like it's going to help a lot more people yeah. know your family. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll just – so my husband, his name is Michael. We just met very basic at college through mutual friends, nothing special. Um, we got married in May of 2017. I think <laughs> I can't even remember. I feel like because we were together for a while before we got married um, because we were dated throughout college. And then basically it was like right after I turned 22, um, we got married that May and um, we waited like a year and a half to have kids. Um, we just really love traveling. So we went and we like did some backpacking through Europe and then we went to Hawaii for two weeks and we've been to South America together too. Um, so we did all that fun stuff before kids, um, because we thought we couldn't do it with kids, but that's a whole nother (laughs) segment. Um, so let's see. We, um, got married, didn't have babies for a year and a half. And then finally we were like, okay, like, let's try to have babies. Um, and it took us like not very long, about three months to get pregnant with Luca. And the pregnancy was completely normal. Like I got pregnant, um, had terrible nausea. (laughs) So I guess like they always say like nausea makes the pregnancy like it helps you think that you're okay because, like, things are going along fine mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. So thought it was fine. Went at, like, nine, ten weeks to get my first ultrasound. Found the heartbeat. Everything looked beautiful. And then, of course, like, one of the main questions I always get asked, did you do genetic testing? <laughs> um, so we did not do genetic testing. Uh, there just wasn't, like, any – you know, there's nothing like in either of our families where we felt like we needed to do genetic testing personally. If we got something back saying, yeah, there was like something with 
the genetics that came back high risk, like we wouldn't have done anything differently. Like we would have continued on the pregnancy as normal. And I just like am a naturally anxious person. So I didn't want to worry. Like I didn't want to spend right. months worrying about like all these things. And so like just continued on. We had our 20 week ultrasound scan. They said everything looked beautiful. His heart was perfect. Um, they never saw anything wrong with any part of his body. Um, uh, I supposedly was growing like right on track and everything was going completely normal up until the third trimester. And I feel like that's when like everything just hit the fan and like my pregnancy just started going downhill because I started getting like really, really swollen feet and, you know, I went, I just, I don't know if I really, like, I loved my OB. Um, she also like was my OB with my second pregnancy, but I didn't love the fact that she was at like a, such a big, like, um, OB office. So like, yes, she was my OB, but it wasn't like guaranteed that she would deliver my baby. So she was like one of like seven other doctors in that practice. So they made me go to different OBs for like each appointment, just in case they delivered my baby and I was familiar with them. And I just Mm -hmm. didn't like that. Um, because I felt like I would bring up a concern to one doctor and I was like, my feet are really swollen. And she's like, oh, that's just like a normal pregnancy thing. Like nothing else is wrong with you. And I'm like, you should have seen my legs. Like they were like tree trunks. I mean, like just like thick, like straight tree trunks. And so I was just like, okay, like this is just normal. Um, right. And-, and I think that when you're in like you're, it's your first baby right. and you're at the doctor and they're like, you're a new mom. Like you just don't know. Whereas like having your second, I'm sure that was like a big change. Like did your doctors listen to you a little bit more? Oh yeah. That was yeah. a huge, huge difference. Um, and the fact that my OB like wasn't at that practice anymore and she mm-hmm. went off on her own, like just helped a lot. Um were all your ultrasounds done through that practice or did you have to go to like a maternal fetal clinic? No, all my ultrasounds were done there, like in-house too. I didn't have to go somewhere else. Like it was all in that practice. Um, Also, mind you, I like, I guess I was like younger. I was only, I was only 23 when I got pregnant. Um, And then I turned 24, like during the pregnancy. So I gave birth at 24, but I think that's also important to note because it's like, when you look at the statistics, if you do it by age, it's like when you get pregnant. So technically I was 23 when I got pregnant. Um, and so like I continue into my 30 weeks plus of pregnancy and my legs keep getting like worse. And I like had to go, um, set up appointment for 35 weeks in a few days because Luca had actually been breached up until that point. So we had to go do the ultrasound at 35 weeks to just, you know, see if I had gotten him to flip or if he didn't, that we needed a plan for next steps, obviously. So I go in 35 weeks, some days, and they do the ultrasound. Of course, it's like so terrifying too when you do the ultrasound because they don't tell you if they mm-hmm. see anything wrong. And 
but at that point, like all I had cared about was he had flipped and he did flip. And I saw that on the ultrasound. So I was like, Ooh, okay, great. You know, everything's good to go now. And except for the fact that I'm so freaking swollen. And then I go back to get my vitals done after my ultrasound. Cause it's again, it's all at the same place. And she, the nurse kind of like looked at me and was like, do you always have high blood pressure? And I was like, what are you talking? Like, no, like, no one said anything. And I don't think it was like high enough where they would have sent me straight to LND, but high enough where it was like a, starting to be a concern. And so then I go back to see my OB and she was like, yeah, like your blood pressure is definitely getting high. If it gets to 140 over 90, like you need to call the on-call nurse and talk to the on-call doctor. Um, I was like, okay. And then she was also like, so we're also going to have you do like the 24 hour urine test, take mm-hmm. home um, to check the proteins. And so I was supposed to like go home and start that the following day. And then the day after that, I was supposed to come back and drop it off and then also get like my blood taken. But she told me that also from the ultrasound that they found out that I had like low fluid. I think like, I'm not even sure, maybe, you know, but like, it's supposed to be around 20. Is that right? Oh, I have no idea. I think it's supposed to be at like a level 20 and mine was like at a level nine. And she was like, go home, drink like a lot, a lot of water and take your blood pressure throughout the day. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll do that. So I got like the urine collection stuff and I like went home, not thinking like really anything of it. I'm like, yeah, I got this baby flipped. Like I'm mm-hmm. 35 weeks we're close to the end. And I go and get a blood pressure cuff from my in-laws and I go home and I like was just sitting on my bed for a little bit. And I checked my blood pressure and it was like 140 over 90. And I was like, I'm just a little anxious. It's probably nothing. Like, it's okay. Um, Go on with my day, whatnot. Try to like take it easy at least. Like, Did you tell Michael that it was that high? Yeah, he knew. But like, he also, like, we both aren't like ones to worry, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like, I guess we Oh, yeah. You guys are still go with the flow. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like now, though, like, that would have been a concern immediately. But back then, Mm -hmm. I didn't think anything of it. And so then I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to take it easy. I'm not going to do anything today. I'm just going to lay on the couch, lay in bed, watch some TV, whatever. And so then I think it was, like, 9 o'clock. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'll take my blood pressure again. I've just been sitting here for a while. It's a good time to, like, take it because I'm just – hanging out <laughs> and it was like 168 over like a hundred oh <laughs> and I was like um Michael like I think my blood pressure is kind of high like not really like knowing how high it was and he was like you need to call a doctor and I was like I'm fine it's gonna be okay and he's like no you were calling the doctor right now and thank goodness like I did call the doctor after not wanting to And then the doctor was like, yeah, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, okay, like, like, what is happening right now? Like, and I think that's like where a lot of my trauma, like, and, and I think we have to get into that in another episode because I do deal with like now a lot of postpartum, like anxiety and like PTSD and trauma. And like, Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of my trauma started was like 
just having a completely normal pregnancy and then like all of a sudden having to like go to the hospital and deliver my baby. So basically I get to the hospital and, you know, you go into triage and they hook you up to everything. And sure enough, like every time they take my blood pressure, I think it's like every 15 minutes, like every 15 minutes, it's like Mm -hmm. 150 over like 95. And so then the lady comes in after like an hour because I think that's like how long they have to monitor it. And she was like, okay, yeah, like we need to give you blood pressure medicine. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I'm not old. I don't need blood pressure medicine. Like I'm fine. And then they give me the blood pressure medicine and it definitely like helped, but I think it only really helped to bring it down to like 140 over 90. And so at this point, like it was like 10 o'clock at night when they admitted me to the hospital for like a 24 hour, like evaluation stay or whatever you want to call it. And they basically like just kept taking my blood pressure, checking it with like the medicine in me. And um, then the next morning is when MFM did come in and um, did an ultrasound. And like, they were like, after the ultrasound, my, they came in, they're like, yeah, your, um, your, what was it? Your fluid is like a two. Oh gosh. I was like, okay, great. So I'm losing fluid. I'm super swollen. I have high blood pressure. And then the whole time I also have been doing the 24 hour urine test at the hospital. And they were like, yeah, you have like protein, like in your urine. Like, yes, you have basically they're like, yes, you have preeclampsia. And like, so I was visited by two different doctors. I had MFM come in and then I had my OB come in. And so MFM came in first and he was basically like, you're fine. You're going to go home on this medicine. You're going to be on bed rest. We're going to try to keep the baby in as long as possible. And um, you're just going to have to come in for an appointment like three times a week. (laughs) What? Um, And then I was like, so in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, I guess I'm going home. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm kind of scared to go home. And so then my OB comes in and she was like, you're having, she literally comes in. She's like, you're having a baby. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) what an hour difference like that could make. And she's like, I just don't feel comfortable sending you home. Like you have preeclampsia, your baby's like, we also found out he was like, in the fifth or sixth percentile for weight. She's like, he's obviously IUGR. He's not growing. Like your placenta is not working. Like you need to have this baby. Like we need to get you going right now. So I was induced. I was like first baby, 35 weeks. I was like at a zero centimeter dilated. Like I was like not, like my body was not ready to have a baby. And so with that, it was just a really long labor. It was 40 hours in total. I started off on the, gosh, you're going to have to help me remember if I can't. It's the Cervidil. It's the one that's like a tampon (laughs) that helps like initiate everything. I have only had a (laughs) C-section. I don't know this stuff. (laughs) So basically it's like a tampon that goes in there and it helps like just helps you dilate. It's the very first step. Is it like um, the balloon? Is it like a no? Balloon? No, it's different. no. That's all I know. So that one was in there for six hours, and it's fine. It doesn't hurt or anything. And then they take it out, and they're like, "Yeah, you're still only like one centimeter. Like we could do another round of Cervidil. That's another six hours, or we could do the folly. Mm, and that's, that's the folly bulb. <laughs> that was the 
that was more painful than childbirth. I tell you what, like it hurt so freaking bad, but that like really helped speed things up. I think. Um, Did they give so, you an option to like continue with natural labor to do a C-section or was your doctor just like, we're going to keep trying these? No, things? at that point they didn't like say really anything about C-section. Um, so yeah, they were just like, and this was not my OB. This was just an OB on call who was now making the calls. Right. Um, so then we did the folly. I think that was in for like three hours and that did help things progress. And then I think, I think this, and then I think that's when they started me on Pitocin or I had been on Pitocin the whole time. Honestly, it was such a blur. Like I don't even remember, or maybe I started the Pitocin like early on, but it was such a low dose. It just wasn't a lot. I think that's what it was. When I first got the Cervidil, they put the put me in the, on the IV with the Pitocin really low. Um, and so then they took out the folly and then I, they um, broke, broke my water. I, yeah. That's when they broke my water was after they took the folly out. Um, and so then they just like kicked up the Pitocin and um, like, so 40 hours of labor. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just a lot. <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> a lot. I don't remember. Um, and then basically like at hour like 35, 32, that's when the doctor came in and she's like, look, you're not progressing. You're still at, a f- at five centimeters. Like you haven't progressed at all. Um, I think we need to talk about C-section. She's like, I already have a scheduled C-section that I have to go into like right now. Why don't you get an epidural at this point? Because I was like having contractions, but I just wasn't feeling them. So I was like, why would I need an epidural? She's like, get an epidural because like, I mean, she didn't like tell me you have to get an epidural, but she said, I, I suggest you get an epidural, which I had already kind of planned on getting one. So I didn't feel pushed into it or anything like that. Why don't you go ahead and get the epidural because you're either gonna have a baby or we're gonna have to have a c-section and I was like okay so I was like I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna get the epidural and then like I don't really know what happened after that because I thought actually she actually may have came in at like more closer to like 37 hours I think because as soon as I got the epidural like I went from like five to ten in like three hours like oh, it was super fast that it, I think it just like really helped like relax my body and just like let it do what it needed to do. So um, yeah. So then after forty hours of labor and about I think it was like fifty minutes of like pushing, he came out. I don't know how. Like people are like, how did he not have a C-section? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like a miracle. He came out, and I got to do an hour of skin to skin with him. And, like, I do slightly remember, you know, like, it's, like, when you see a new baby for the first time, you look at them and you're, like, oh, like, you have mommy's eyes and daddy's nose and, you know, like, Mm -hmm. all the features you're looking for um, because you've been dreaming about them for, for us, eight months because I had him at 36 weeks exactly. Um, And I, like, remember looking at him, like, they placed him immediately on my chest, like, he was kind of crying, whatever, not really. Um, and I, I kind of looked at his eyes and I was like, whose eyes do you have? Like they looked kind of different, but I was like, 
I don't know. They've been, he's been in the birth canal for a really long time. So <laughs> things get messed up, you know, as they're in there. So, um, uh, so yeah, how so. long was it until you had like your diagnosis? So I did an hour skin to skin with them. And then the like pediatric nurses or whatever, you know, take them over to the table and they weigh them and measure them and do all their little stats and stuff. And they took his blood sugar and it was actually his blood sugar is what sent him to the NICU originally. It wasn't his weight or any, like he didn't ever need oxygen. wasn't anything like that. It was his blood sugar. And we're pretty sure it's just because I was in labor for so long. My water was broken. Like he probably just somehow got an infection. Um, so after an hour of skin to skin, he was immediately taken to the NICU. And then it was like an hour and a half after that. So I always say it was like about two and a half hours after birth is when the neonatologist came in and she was kind of just like super like matter of the fact, like I wouldn't say like, she was just like very like medical about it. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like a good thing or a bad thing, but she was like basically telling us like, yes, he has an infection. He also had like an eye infection or something. I don't know. Um, And she just was like, he also shows seven signs of seven soft markers of Down syndrome. And then she like, we were like, what? Like, no, he does. Like, we literally did not believe her. Like, we were like, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, nothing up to this point had said anything about him showing any signs of Down syndrome. Um, And the fact that I was like so young Obviously, now we know that's kind of, like, not a point. But, um, like, she said he had one single Palmer's crease, which I actually have one as well. We both, me and Luca, have one on our right hand. and It's really cute. And I would say that's, like, our little (laughs) thing together. Um, Also, like, his almond eyes, I think they called them. Um, And then they said that his neck was, like, thicker. Uh, then I forget what they call that. And then he had a sandal gap. Um, and oh, he had an absent bridge of the nose mm-hmm. and there was like maybe another one, but I don't really remember. Cause I was like in such a daze. I mean, I had just go, I just hadn't slept for 40 hours given birth. Right. And now you're telling me my child has down syndrome. I like, I literally, we like laughed and we were like, no. He doesn't. I'm sorry. He doesn't. And he was also born on a Saturday. So um, they couldn't send in the lab work right away because the labs were closed on Saturday and Sunday. And so um, he went to the NICU and basically he was just put on a bunch of IVs. Um, He also, oh, it was low tone was the other thing they said. Um, And he was like having trouble feeding or they just didn't want him to use his energy to feed at first. So he had the sucrose. Uh Um, for the low blood sugar and then also like as food basically and um like yeah I don't know it's just like such a blur like in the NICU and then it wasn't until I think it was like either Wednesday or Thursday so we had him Saturday and it wasn't until like I think Wednesday or Thursday that finally the doctor like came and then told us like that the results were positive for trisomy 21 Mm -hmm. and it was, um, it was going to take like another month or something for them to do like the whole culture to figure out like what kind of down syndrome it was. And he does just have like 
Trisomy 21. It's not mosaic or anything like that. Do you feel like the doctor's news was like positive? Do you feel like it was medical? Did they say a lot of like, I'm sorry? Yeah, I don't feel like he, like the neonatologist I did actually really like. Like he basically, I think – it was probably the best way I think the news could have been delivered to us. Mm-hmm. It was not negative at all. It was very much like, yes, your son has Down syndrome, but he is also just a child. And then he started off like listing all these crazy facts about like the fact that we even have like a living baby is a miracle in itself, like the rates of miscarriages and then all the other different things that could have happened. Like he's like basically like all children are miracles and you should treat him just as you would. And his number one advice was always like, do not coddle him. Like do not ever treat (laughs) him like as in not like inferior, but like as a baby for his whole life because he is capable and you know, he is able to do just what other people are. But if you baby him, then he's like, that's what you're setting it up as. See, and that's great advice because I feel like, a lot of parents that we talk to like on Instagram and stuff like that's not that's not how the news was delivered. <laughs> yeah. Do you, did you end up telling your family right away like when they came in on like the Saturday or did you wait until the blood work or like how did you go about navigating telling your family? Like part of me almost wants to believe that maybe one family member was in the room with us when the original neonatologist came in and told us that he had markers of down syndrome and again like right away like we just laughed and we're like Mm -hmm. no he doesn't and so we like told our family like yeah this doctor thinks our kid has down syndrome like she's crazy so like i just i don't know like i feel like um in a way like it was such an un un unordinary way to tell our family because we thought that there's absolutely no way that he had down syndrome so that's kind of how we went about it of like well we don't really know if he has down syndrome or not um so we just kind of told them because they were already there like because it was two and a half hours at birth like they had already come to like be with us like both my family and his family were there and so I mean, they were at the hospital with us, so we just told them right away. And then, right. um, not like the COVID times where like nobody could be in your room but you and your husband. <laughs> yeah, although that was a very nice birth because I had Nika like that. And yeah, not gonna lie, it was pretty nice. So, did your diagnosis like kind of hinder you from wanting to have a second baby, or like how did you decide like you were ready for a second baby? Well, I think that so like after we did get the like actual labs back saying yes your baby has down syndrome like it like really like it wrecked us because he was still in the NICU for another he was in the NICU for a total of 14 days so basically seven days he was like on the antibiotics fighting the infection and then the seven days after that were spent just trying to get him to feed and get him out um so like when we got that um diagnosis officially it like really like we went into like very much like a grieving state and I think that's really important that like that's also one of my number one tips like when a lot of moms message me like um advice or expecting a baby with down syndrome or what whatnot I always tell them like it's okay to grieve 
because you are grieving the loss of a child that you thought you were going to have. And this has just like completely changed your life. And it's okay to cry and be sad. Mm -hmm. Like don't ever hinder that. Never feel guilty for feeling that way because it's very much valid and we all go through it. Um, And so I think, I mean, I don't know, like that was another thing I did. I got a therapist and I think that helped so much. Like that really, really helped. Um, I also went on antidepressants for a little bit too. Like I just had to because there's so much trauma, so much anxiety. Um, I had, like started having panic attacks. I ended up in the hospital two times because of panic attacks. Never had had a single one in my life before that. Um, so yeah, like I don't know. And then Do you, you feel kinda- like the panic attacks came from like I don't know. I feel like sometimes if I think too far in the future. Um, that's what gives me anxiety. But if I just kind of live like to the day to day, it helps. Do you feel like your panic attacks were kind of like, because you were like thinking of all the things that you were now missing or no, no, Mm-mm, no, that's not what my, pa- so I think like anxiety is a very like broad term, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I do still go to a therapist now and I have a health anxiety and I get panic attacks because of the trauma that I went through, like with my birth and how everything mm-hmm. was fine. And then everything flips so suddenly and right. the di- Down syndrome diagnosis flips so suddenly. And so I just have these fears of like my health and like, again, this is a whole nother episode. I could talk about this for <laughs> Yeah. Forever. We'll get into mental health. Um, <laughs> So that's, like, where my anxiety lies is that, like, fear of the I'm fine now, but am I really? Do I right. know something? In the fine. flip of a switch, something can happen. Right. So and did that that you I had to work through, through Oh, I still worked through it Oh, yeah. Oh, with Nico, my pregnancy was totally different. So, yeah, I went to a therapist, and then I don't know, like – the grief kind of goes away and then after it probably only lasts about like two and a half months with us I would say like where it was really bad and I couldn't like tell my story without just sobbing like I just couldn't tell people that my son had down syndrome without just wanting to cry like I couldn't just tell someone that um and then it just kind of it really does it just kind of goes away all of a sudden and um it was like around like Mother's Day. I remember I told Michael, I was like, I just want another baby. Like he's already <laughs> getting so big. And I just feel like, you know, I've already done it once. Like, let's just do it. And so with her, it only took one month and I was pregnant. Like I like I almost feel like we just like we just didn't prevent it, not like really actively trying. And in that month, I got pregnant and I was like, what the heck? But with her pregnancy was like so different. Like I started having panic attacks like um, really early on with her, like at five weeks. So I went on Zoloft immediately with her pregnancy. Um, And then like with my doctor, like I said, like it was just so different because we already knew what to look for, which is Mm -hmm. very helpful. And also like I did do genetic testing with her. Um, and everything was good with that. And like, I don't know her pregnancy. Like it was definitely a wild ride. I did end up getting not preeclampsia, but, um, gestational hypertension. So just high blood pressure. So I did go on bed rest with her for one month and I delivered her at 37 weeks with an induction. It was a beautiful 10 hour labor from start to finish. 
Um, 10 seems like so long still you know what I mean but like compared to 40 it's being induced like my body like it just they just put me right into it like I was already like three and a half centimeters when I went at 37 weeks so they didn't really have to do anything except Pitocin and it just like went by the book it was beautiful like I wouldn't have changed a thing with hers I would only pushed for like 15 minutes and she came out and she was great and healthy and it was just like the complete opposite of Luca's birth. And so I really couldn't have asked for anything better with her birth. So I heard this quote, well, one of my mom friends, um, well, Whitney, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So when she was pregnant and she had just given birth her second, she kind of said this quote, which like, I just love it. And she said, our first babies made us strong. Like our babies mm-hmm. with Down syndrome made us strong. But our second babies like healed that. Um, do you feel like after Nico and like that whole cycle, do you feel like something shifted and like you, as far as like pregnancy kind of were healed or do you feel like, I don't know, are you ready for a third? (laughs) I feel like I still carry a lot of my anxiety, um, and trauma and PTSD from Luca's pregnancy, uh, or from birth, like, I guess I should say. And I don't know necessarily if it was... It was just a lot. Um, And I still do carry that. Not as bad as I did, Mm -hmm. but I do still carry that with me. And I am still trying to work through it, like, with a therapist. I'm not on antidepressants anymore, um, but I still do go to a therapist for it. And I do feel, like, with Nico's birth, like, it was healing. Like, okay, like, there – like you can have a like even though her pregnancy wasn't perfect, (laughs) but giving birth was perfect – yeah, I guess in a way it was healing. Like, I do really like that. Am I ready for a third? <laughs> I really, really would <laughs> love a third, but I still want to heal mentally more. Mm-hmm. I do think, like, we may have jumped the gun <laughs> with Nico. <laughs> I don't regret it because it's done and everything went perfect, but I still feel like I want to do healing mentally before I have a third mm-hmm. because I do feel like with a third, I do want to continue to go the therapy, like through therapy with it because I didn't go to therapy with Nico when I was pregnant, but I think that would help with a third and um, the possibility of having to go back on to like some sort of an antidepressant is probably going to have to happen just mm-hmm. with the experience that I had with Nico's pregnancy um, just to keep me somewhat sane. So yeah, I just don't think I'm ready for that right now. But I really would love a third. And I think there's like maybe adoptions on the table. I don't know. We'll have to see one day. But right. as of now, no. <laughs> yeah, I think there's so much trauma that comes with like just having a Down syndrome diagnosis, whether mm-hmm. it's prenatally or, you know, a birth diagnosis. So I totally get especially being pregnant now, I totally understand the like fears that kind of keep coming. So I'm hoping that when this baby comes, it can be like that healing process, you know, and, but I, I totally get it. So I think there was only like one other question that I wanted to hit on. Um, so I, I, you were in Atlanta. Did you feel like you had your community there or do you feel like it wasn't until you came to Kentucky that you kind of like found your community and like your moms who have like children with Down syndrome? 
I think in a way it's like very different between Atlanta and Cincinnati. So where we lived in Atlanta, it was like the suburbs, but Atlanta is so much bigger than Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you say in the city, but that's like an hour away, (laughs) even though just because of traffic and all that. Um, So the way that I found a community, there's actually, so it's me and then two other moms, um, both all of our babies were born like pretty close in age. Um, and we just found each other through the, I want to say, Down Syndrome Diagnosis mm-hmm. Network, is that DSDN. Yep. Um, so joining that group, I think, was – that helped me heal a lot. And it – because before that, I was just in a generic, like – um, September 2019 babies group. And I had to like leave it almost immediately because I was like, all these kids are like hitting these milestones that we were mm-hmm. nowhere near hitting. And so being in the DSDN like specific birth group um, helped so much. And so I found one mom in there and then she found another mom and then we were all lived pretty close together. So we would get together and then our husbands would get together and that was great. Um, there was a Gigi's Playhouse there. We never went to that. Um, And I would say that's the biggest difference between Atlanta and Cincinnati. Cincinnati is so much more of like a tight-knit community, and I just love it so much. Um, And like they had the welcome party for like new – I guess it's both people who just had a baby and also people who had just moved there. Yeah, new families. And so we went to that and then um, they had like open play group every single Wednesday. And that's another way I've met tons of moms. And then Gigi's Playhouse also um, just opened up here in Cincinnati. And so um, that unfor- uh, that does work now that Luke is in school because unfortunately we can't go to the Down Syndrome Association anymore of Greater Cincinnati because that's during preschool time. So now we go to Gigi's Playhouse usually on Fridays. And so that's a new way to make conference. I would say like Facebook groups, mm-hmm. um, Instagram. I feel like me and you met, but like, I feel like we really like made a connection more like on Instagram. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you can, I don't really know. Do you have any like advice on like finding people on Instagram? Oh gosh. I don't know. I feel like mine, my Instagram, I just kind of like I don't know, just like a generic hashtag balance syndrome. And then I like started finding like a bunch of like, you know, and reels are way more popular now than they were back then. But um, I just started seeing like all these like posts of these cute babies and I just started liking people and then like finding, you know, people through their Instagram and kind of like going through that. But I definitely think that diving in um, for me helped a lot like just diving into like community or whether it's like on Instagram or not, but like just not isolating. I think I agree. Really important. Yeah. I agree with that because I think it was, it may have not, it may have been not right when we received the diagnosis, but it was like right when we got home from the NICU where I didn't Mm -hmm. have to think about that anymore is when I went and found the DSDN um, group. And so then like, once you kind of start like following people or adding mm-hmm. friends on Facebook, like your feed just fills up with babies with Down syndrome right. and it just feels so much less lonely. Oh, yeah, for I sure. I felt so alone. I felt so broken. Like, like who – like I don't even know. Just the thoughts that would run through my head of like – I'm the only one going through this, like basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then- I would say that about my fa- like my Facebook. I feel like it's like 
everybody, you know, like it's like everybody I knew from high school and college and everybody and their babies and their experiences. But like my Instagram, I feel like I've, I've, I don't want to say like narrowed it, but like everybody I follow has a child with Down syndrome. So like, it's just like flooding and it's, I don't know, I feel like it's really empowering to see like other moms doing things that I'm doing and like not making me feel so alone. Right, exactly. It's just like like having a community. And that's like one reason why we wanted to create this podcast to begin with was just <laughs> to share our experience as moms raising kids with Down syndrome on just like a super basic mom level. Like, right. <laughs> like I'm no expert in anything. I mean, like I've been three years into this journey and all I can say is like, Luca has given me so much purpose. I mean, like, I would not be doing this if it wasn't for him. Like, I don't even know where I'd be in life. It's, like, funny to think Mm -hmm. when we first received his diagnosis of, like, like, what is my life going to look like? And then now it's, like, I can't even imagine my life any other way. I can't even imagine my life, like, three years ago, you know? So. Right. It is what it is, and it's always a blessing in the end. So if you let it. Yeah. You have to let it. If you let it like destroy you, if you let it just consume your life of like what if and why me, like Mm -hmm. then you're not going to go anywhere with it. That's really good advice. I really like that. (laughs) So, but uh, so for the next episode, I'm super excited because Kayla's (laughs) going to share her story and she had a prenatal diagnosis. Mm. So we can kind of dig into that and see the differences. Um, prenatal versus postnatal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that, is that a word? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like people will say like birth diagnosis, birth but I like, diagnosis. I like postnatal too. Postnatal. I like that a lot. <laughs> I don't well, know. I'm excited to share next week. Um, do you have any last minute kind of tips, remarks, anything you want to share before we jump off? Um, I just think that being a mom to Luca – has its challenges. Things are not always easy and you just have to enjoy the little triumphs that you get every single day. Um, and you just have to have a lot of patience. You have to work with them. But again, like the day he took his first step, it's like just absolutely amazing. And like, I just want to like savor that every single day Mm -hmm. versus like, no offense to Nico, but it's like when she (laughs) took her first step, I'm like, Oh great. Now you're walking. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if that's like a first child, second child thing, but like, yeah, just enjoy the little moments. Like just enjoy every little, every every little accomplishment that they do because it's worth it. And you are not alone in this journey. We are right there with you. There's thousands of other moms right there with you. We're all in this together. We're all lifting each other up. That's all I can say. I love that. I love that a lot. And I think that's a great stopping point for us today. We hope you found something useful from this episode. It would mean the world to us if you'd take a second to rate, review, and follow the show and tell your friends about it. It's the best way to support Raising Extra. And if you have any questions you want us to cover on the show, please follow us on Instagram at Raising Extra and send us a DM. We want to hear from you. Can't wait to see you next week.